What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Progressive's Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Now that we've covered something you could do, it's time for sports stuff you definitely could not do. If you were head coach, you would not have gone for it on fourth down. Your confidence in your play calling ability might be a little overblown considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from, let alone choosing a play in front of 70,000 screaming fans. But you definitely can use Progressive's Home Court Explorer to easily compare rates. Coverage for Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Welcome to Stacking the Box. To subscribe, hit us up on Google Play or iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you. Here is Stacking the Box. Welcome in, Stacking the Box. Hope everyone's doing great, staying safe at home, following their social distancing to your very best. Matt Berneram, Patrick Schmidt, good to be with you guys this afternoon. How are you guys doing in this coronavirus time before we get into our lead topic to start the show, which is Tom Brady being a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, but I want to check in on you guys. How's everybody doing? I'm breathing. Yeah, taking things uh, one day at a time like the rest of us. Yeah. Well, it's... Uh, it's, it's good to see you guys, good to be with you, even through our the Skype stacking the box situation that we're doing today. Tom Brady, officially a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. What do we think this means for the Bucs? What do we think this means for the Pats? What do you think it means for Tom Brady as he, as he lands on uh, a very interesting place in NFL history? The Bucs are not exactly the Patriots. Matt, what do, let's start with you, my friend. Well, I wrote about it uh, in the written version of Sacking the Box on Monday. Look, to me, it means the Patriots are dead. I know they have Belichick. I get all that. 
I'm not saying they'll never make the playoffs again, but in terms of who they have been for 20 years, that is over. Like they, they no longer are part of the AFC conversation in, in, in terms of being a top flight contender. Right now, they're not even a, a 500 team. If they don't get a better quarterback, they're not going 500. So that's what it means for me with them. With the Buccaneers, it's the first time they're relevant in 15 years. So you take a franchise that's basically been on a slab uh, since it won the Super Bowl. It's the last time they won a playoff game. And now all of a sudden, they're going to sell out every game. They're going to be in prime time. That's the revitalization of a fan base. So if you're the NFL, I think you're thrilled. Like the Pats fan base isn't going anywhere. They, they, those people are hook, line, and sinker now after watching them for the last 20 years. But the Buccaneers fans had been long gone. Now they're back. So I, I think it, it's a good thing for the league. It's a great thing for the Bucs. And for Brady, he's going to a better team. He's going to an offensive-minded coach. I, I think it's a pretty good fit for him. It, it feels to me like the Chiefs and Joe Montana – the Wizards and Michael Jeffrey Jordan, uh, you know, just basically the legend of the game coming in to save a franchise. Patrick Schmidt, where are you at with this? Yeah, it's going to look weird seeing him in the, the Buccaneers uniform, but yeah, like what Matt said, the Patriots, as we've come to know over the last 20 years, that's that's gone. Belichick's still there. He's still the GOAT, but the Patriots, as we've come to know, that's gone. Uh, we'll see what they do at quarterback for the long term and really for the short term, but for the Buccaneers, you know, we, we've seen a lot of New Englanders and a lot of Midwesterners retire in Tampa Bay. I still think Brady's still got another good year left in him, maybe two, but I don't want to push it. But certainly for this year, it, it you know, it's uh, it's going all in for Tampa Bay to you know kind of be relevant again and compete, sell out their stadium. And, and I think they got to be looking playoffs. Obviously, they haven't won a playoff game, you know, in 15 years, like Matt said, but they got to be thinking playoffs and they got to be thinking, hey, we got Tom Brady. This is our chance to kind of make a run towards the NFC Championship, maybe compete for a Super Bowl. The NFC is pretty loaded. I'm sure we'll talk about that more. But the Buccaneers, they're going to be one of the top five, six, seven teams in the conference with a shot now. So, I okay, that's fine. Maybe they will be right there as far as competing to go to the playoffs. But I'm still trying to figure out why Tom Brady picked the Bucs. And part of me thinks that it's because there's no state income tax in Florida and Brady is just trying to get a nice, solid – Last big hit at the old cash wheel. Anybody with me on that one? I don't think that's why he signed there. I think he signed there because of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and a couple of pretty good tight ends in Brayton Howard. And he's got Arians, who, look, for anyone who doesn't know, Bruce Arians has one hell of a resume of quarterbacks. Not that Brady needs to be fixed or anything, but he's worked with Big Big Ben. He's worked with Manning. He's worked with Carson Palmer. Uh, I mean, Andrew Luck. Luck, yes. So, I mean, you're talking he, – he knows what he's doing. Like, Brady's not going in there and dealing with some amateur at head coach. Like, Arians knows what he's doing. He's much more of a player's coach than Belichick ever was. I think Brady's going down there and going, look, I got weapons all over the field. Like, we're going to score. And the one thing about the Bucs that nobody talks about is last year, that defense was good by the end of the year. Todd Bowles is a very good defensive coordinator. They got that thing rolling. I know they're excited about what they could do potentially in the draft to even add to it. So I think Brady looked at them and went, Okay, the Panthers are a total rebuild. The Falcons aren't that good. The Saints are very good. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? 
get $100 free. That's promo code radio. Terms and conditions apply. But, you know, Breeze is 41 years old in his own right, so who knows? I don't think it's a bad move at all. And I think he looked at the Chargers and went, okay, I don't know. It's a weird situation. Anthony Lynn's a run first head coach. The Raiders, I don't think, was ever really on the radar. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to go to the Buccaneers. His legacy is obviously stamped. I, it does. If he complete is a complete dud in Tampa, it, it doesn't does. Matter. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But but like I, I don't know if you agree with this. What what Verram is teeing up here, Patrick? But if he does go down to Tampa and gets the Bucks, let, let's just dream it all the way to the top. It's, let's say he wins a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Somehow his legacy does grow. I mean, do you think that's possible? Yeah, it's certainly possible. I don't want to. Come right out now, you know, on March uh, 24th and say the Bucs are going to win the Super Bowl, but <laughs> certainly they're going to be a playoff contender. Um, and yeah, like what Matt was saying, and really what you were saying too, Carmen, it was the best place to get the money and the weapons. So uh, it's certainly possible in that defense, Levante David's been one of the better linebackers in the league for the last few years that nobody really knows about. We'll see if Shaquille Barrett can have a similar season he had last year, but yeah, the legacy is, is intact. He's fine. He's the GOAT. He's the greatest NFL quarterback of all time, but yeah, hypothetically, if he does lead Tampa Bay to a another Super Bowl, he adds a number seven. Then I think we could start having the conversation, you know, is Tom Brady the best individual male athlete of all time, you know, ahead of Michael Jordan and some of the oh. other uh, elites of all time. And hey, but hey, if he wins a seventh Super Bowl, that's going to be a conversation. Hey, I mean, you know, also, it's got to be said, like, there's always this conversation now about who's more responsible for all these Super Bowls, right? Brady, Belichick. Which is nonsense. And, Carm, we talked about it last week on the show. But I'll say this. I agree with you, Carm. Brady, there's no downside here. If he's if he's not good, people will just say, well, come on, he's 43 years old. He won six Super Bowls. Who cares? Right? Like, it'll be the Unitas to the Chargers chapter of his career. And nobody really even remembers half. If, if Belichick, though, he, to me, is the one who has something to lose here. If they tank and they're not good for the next three, four years, let's say they don't want a playoff game. They're just not good. And he retires. People will always say he's one of the greatest coaches of all time, but there will always be the detractors who say, yeah, but before and after Brady, he never won anything. It's now, I, I'm not saying it's fair, but it's real. I, I think that's uh, a very, very fair point to bring up, Matt Burr. And along those points, as Bill Belichick and the Patriots try to move forward, let's go to who's going to start week one here. For New England, I'll just throw mine out there. If I if I'm the Patriots, I do go get Cam Newton. And yes, he's coming off a scary injury, and I don't know how people are going to even get a doctor to examine Cam Newton. So that's a problem. Plus, he had the shoulder before that. But the dude's a former MVP, playing in the Super Bowl. New England's about winning. I would roll the dice with Cam if I'm the Patriots and go from there. What do, what do you guys think as far as Week One? Well, I'll hop in here. I'm going to go with what might be the chalk answer, and I'm going to say it's Jared Stidham. Uh, Brady's backup last year, former fourth-round pick out of Auburn, former elite recruit uh, out of high school, elite 11 performer, initially started his career at Baylor. Um, so he knows the system. I'm not really afraid about Brian Hoyer coming out of that roster. I know he's got experience. He's been in New England many times before, but uh, it's time for Jared Stidham. And, you know, unless they do sign Cam or Jameis Winston, I think it's uh, going to be Jared Stidham's job to lose. And I'm kind of curious to see how well he could do. I think it's Hoyer. I don't think it should be Hoyer. I think it's going to be Hoyer because I think they're going to look at it and go, we can win nine games with Brian Hoyer because we won 11 with Matt Castle once upon a time. Um, Stidham, 
I think if you're going to go with that kind of a player, like that's fine. I think you probably should go with him. He's young. Spend a mid-round pick on him. The only reason I hesitate saying Stidham is because last year they put him in against the Jets in a blowout, and he threw a pick, and Belichick just immediately yanked him out of the game. So, like, I kind of wonder, like, where Belichick is on him. But Stidham was good at Auburn. Like, I, I don't I don't disagree with you, Shmi. I think I think it's worth a shot. Um, I don't see them going after some of these guys that are going to get big money only because they have no cap space. Like, they're going to have to create a lot of cap space to be able to fit some of these guys in. Carm, I think Cam would be great. I just don't know that they're going to be willing to restructure a whole bunch of things and make things happen to bring him in. I'll give you one name to watch that is interesting. If Cam Newton goes to the Raiders, and I wouldn't rule it out, I'm just saying. If Cam Newton goes to the Raiders and Derek Carr becomes available, I could see the Pats doing that. Now, he, again, is money. It would cost money to get him. But he would come in, and he's very easy to just, spot, just put right into that system. Not a mobile guy like you know, like Brady was in it at the end of his career. You know, Carr could come in and play that system. Now he's not gonna play like Brady, but he could play that system. I don't see any way Jameis goes there because it, Belichick go out of his mind. Belichick would lose his mind with Jameis by about the middle of September. And Newton, I just Newton's his own guy. You almost have to fit your whole scheme around him the way he plays. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But I don't know if the Pats will do that. Carr, I think, is the one guy if he became available that they could just go, okay, Derek, we're gonna we're gonna plop you in there and you're gonna throw the ball to Edelman 150 times. And see, if, see, if I was Derek Carr, I'd be like, sweet, I'd love to go and play in New England and play with Belichick of and all that. Of course you would. And, yeah. and 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 Jared Stidham, like, okay, sweet, I'm getting an opportunity. But that feels like just the tallest mountain to climb. Here you go, pal. You've got minimal NFL experience at best, and go replace Tom Brady. That's uh, that, that that's not going to be the easiest gig for uh, Mr. Stidham to step into. Where, where do you guys let's let's talk about Cam and Jameis here? Where do you think they end up? Verem, you're saying the Raiders for cameras? Is, is that your prediction? Um, I don't know if I say it's my prediction. I think. I think it has a chance of happening. I know they just signed Mariota, but I get that like that to me. If they can get Cam Newton in there on a reasonable deal, I, I don't think they'd even hesitate. I really don't. I I guess like the Chargers, it seems like they're pretty happy with Tyrod Taylor and, and what will probably be a first-round rookie coming in, Herbert or Tua or maybe even Jordan Love. So yeah, I guess I guess I'll say that. I'll say the Raiders. I think I think it makes more sense than people want to believe. Like like Gruden loves veteran quarterbacks. Cam is certainly that. They have the money to pay him. They are not in love with Carr. It was the worst kept secret in the league last year. Gruden, if he could have gotten his hands on Kyler Murray, Carr would have been gone last year. So I think I think it's a real possibility. And yeah, I'll I'll say that that's where he ends up. Patrick Schmidt. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if either of these guys are are sitting for a long time waiting to to sign a new deal. Depending on what happens with the draft, I, I think you know maybe San Diego, maybe Miami, they're looking at backup quarterbacks. You know, assuming they take QBs at five and six, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Andy Dalton. We th- we figure he's going to be on the move. Hey, maybe he's a guy Bill Belichick and the Pats inquire about. But yeah, I think guys like Joe Burrow, uh, Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, assuming all these guys go into jobs uh, or going into new places next year as the starter, I think those are going to be the teams that are going to be looking for a, a capable backup. Uh, obviously, Jameis and Cam are going to be looking to be starters, but those jobs aren't out there right now. And 
know, maybe Jacksonville makes sense for, for Jameis. Uh, obviously, staying in Florida. Obviously, Florida State, the fans will know him. And, you know, Gardner Minshew, Minshew Mania was, was pretty hyped there for a few weeks last year. But, you know, Nick Foles is gone. They're going to need a backup, you know, an insurance policy of some sort. So, I could see Jameis maybe settling in Jacksonville. And, and, you know, I know Washington just traded for another Panthers quarterback in Kyle Allen, but you know, maybe Ron Rivera kicks the tires on Cam Newton three, four weeks down the road if he's still out there on the street. Obviously, he knows him very well. He gets a clean bill of health. You know, maybe he's a little bit more willing to roll the dice. But bigger picture, I just don't think Washington and particularly Rivera and his coaching staff are entirely enamored with Dwayne Haskins. So I think really anything is on the table for Washington, whether it's taking a quarterback at number two or kicking the tires on a guy like Cam. Well, that that was the interesting part with the Redskins because you knew that Cam was going to be out there, yet they were still willing to pay a draft pick for Kyle Allen. So that, to me, that tells you that Cam's going to have a real hard job, a real hard time getting a job anywhere as a starter. Uh, some team, I'm sure, will take a flyer on. I got to say, like, yeah, it seems very odd to me that it's that this hard for Cam Newton to find a job. Like, I know he's hurt. I get it. I know he's had injuries. He's still Cam Newton. He's a pretty good player for a long time. What is he, 31 years old right now? Like, I, people are acting like he's 38 and coming off, like, triple back surgery. I I mean. Liz Frank, though, is no joke, Matt Burram. You, you don't know if he's going to be able to move around. No question. I'm not I'm not making light. All I'm saying is, like, and I, I don't mean to put salt in the wound here of two fine Bears fans or friends of mine, but, like, my God. Like, you traded a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles. Like, what the hell? Like, wouldn't you rather have just signed Cam Newton? Like, this makes so, no yeah. sense to me. Well, okay, Patrick, you want to take that one first, and then I'll explain my thoughts on why Foles fits yeah, better for the Bears. I, yeah, and I'm just going to jump in on Cam. I think the belief is that, you know, he's cooked. You know, too many injuries, too many hits. The guy's 6'5", 250, and he's built like a tank. But 10 years of, of taking all these hits, I mean, the guy has been the best. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? The average garage door is made up of 1.3 millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know? Your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know? A runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Running back and quarterback for the Panthers for the last decade, minus the last two when uh, they had Christian McCaffrey. But, yeah, I just think the the accumulation of the injuries. And, yeah, I'd be willing to take a one-year flyer on him, especially if you could get him under your own kind of number. You don't need to give up any draft pick compensation. But, I just kind of think a lot of people are thinking that Cam is just, he's cooked. Uh, as far as the Bears are concerned, Matt, I, I mean, I think that they still are holding out hope that Mitchell Trubisky and I, and is going to find it here in year four, which I get it. I, I'm assuming that you think that he's not going to like most people do, but the Bears are still, well, well, we'll see. I mean, the Bears are still holding out hope on that. And they know that Foles can learn what's left of the offense that he needs to learn, considering how familiar he is in a short period of time. They know that he'll come in and play it nice and sit on the bench for week one, week two, week three, whatever it is. I don't know if they'll actually have a competition because Mitchell Trubisky hasn't played in the preseason. So you, And who knows? I don't know if this factored into it, but maybe they were looking at the coronavirus and thinking, why? What, 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 are we, what level of OTAs or anything are we going to have? So we need a guy who can come in here, knows the offense, will play nice, and Nick Foles checks all those boxes. So 
To me, that's why it made sense. The coronavirus thing is a good point. I'll just close on this for myself. I will be shocked, shocked beyond words if Trubisky's the week one starter for that team. Like, you you don't pay Nick Foles 20-some-odd million bucks to sit him on the bench. Like, that's not how – I would be – I think they're going to paint it as a competition. They're going to have him go out there and throw the ball. And as long as Foles doesn't completely wet the bed or get hurt, I think they're going to go, you know what? Nick Foles, you're the star. I just, I don't, I not that Foles is great, man, but like, I just don't see it. I'd be uh, shocked if they started Trubisky. I'd actually be shocked if they didn't, but uh, it, but I, I hope you're right because it's time for the Bears to move on. But at the jump, I don't think they'll punt. I think they'll punt week three. I, I got to refresh myself on the Bears schedule. Do you, Patrick Smith, before we move on here to into the future, do you think who's the week one starter for Chicago? Yeah, I think it's going to be Nick Foles. I think the wow. Mitch Trubisky era is over. I, I don't think you you make this move. You give up the fourth round pick when the Bears are already limited with their draft capital. So I think to pay that price uh, and to get Foles, I think I think Matt Nagy knows everything he needs to know about Mitchell Trubisky, and, and it's not good. And you get Foles, and initially I was a little upset because I had dreams of getting 2015 Cam Newton to the Bears, and that's just not a, a reality in, in 2020. So you get Foles. He's got the familiarity with Nagy from Kansas City, uh, DiFilippo and Bill Lazor uh, with the Eagles. So he had his best season or he had his best uh, experiences uh, with those coaches. So I understand why the Bears would think they could run it back and, and replicate history. And I think we know what Mitchell Trubisky can do in this offense. We don't know what Nick Foles can do throwing to Allen Robinson. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be Nick Foles. But I think both of you guys make great points, especially Carmen, the one about Trubisky and really not doing anything in the preseason. So it's all going to be in training camp. It's all going to be uh, under the uh, the public eye or under the private eye, I should say. But, yeah, I think it's Nick Foles. Absolutely. Week one starter. All right, we're going to rewind the tape on week one here. We'll go back to March 24th and see who was right. But, uh Either either way, Chicago has a very, very solid insurance policy that they haven't had in the past. Guys, let's move on to into the future, and we're going to start with the Houston Texans. And what a bizarre offseason for Bill Bryan, Bill Bryan and company. I, you give up your, I don't know, your second best player in DeAndre Hopkins. Are the Texans, along with everything else that's going on, are they still are they still a playoff team? Matt Bertram, let's start with you. No. I don't think they are. I think they're like a 7-9 team. Look, they lost DeAndre Hopkins for a running back who looks like me carrying the ball at this point in his career and a second-round pick, and they don't have a first-round pick, by the way. I mean, who cares? You you basically gave away DeAndre Hopkins like he was a lottery scratch-off ticket, and then you went out and signed Randall Cobb, who has not been good in years. You signed Eric Murray for $21 million. Okay, Eric Murray last year for the Browns made 24 tackles as a safety. I would be willing to bet most people don't even know who Eric Murray is. The only reason I know who Eric Murray is is the Chiefs traded him last year to the Browns for Emmanuel Ogba because they were both going to get cut. And they, the teams just swap guys because Dorsey and Beach know each other. Look, I do not understand this at all. The Titans, to me right now, are a better team. The Colts, if Rivers has even a moderate bounce back, they're better. Jacksonville's terrible, but all those teams are going to beat up on Jacksonville evenly. And Houston's got a brutal schedule, man. Like, Houston's got a first-place schedule. So they get the Ravens. They get Kansas City at Arrowhead. They got to go to Green Bay. They got to go to Minnesota. Uh, good luck. I, I don't think 
I don't think they're cracking 500. Uh, I'm with you, Matt. Uh, look, they were a, I would say, a borderline team with a great quarterback last year. Now they're a bad team with a great quarterback. And Deshaun Watson's putting out tweets here. Who knows if he tries to force himself out of Houston before week one? I, I mean, that's a long shot. I don't, they're not, the Texans aren't giving up on Deshaun Watson, but he can make it very uncomfortable for them. And quite frankly, like, what are you doing, Bill O'Brien? This is not like the old school big eight. What are we going to do here? We're just going gonna to run the option. And uh, th- 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 this, this is not how NFL football is played. You don't give up your, your best receiver, your best offensive weapon. Uh, in, in 2020, it makes no sense. Patrick Schmidt of the Texans, a playoff team? No shot. Yeah, and Matt said seven and nine. I was thinking six and ten before he said that. So yeah, we're both kind of similar similar camps right there. This is this is football malpractice by Bill O'Brien. We saw last year uh, shipping out J- Jadavian Clowney for a third round pick and, and like Barkevius Mingo and some reserve players. So uh, that was that was a terrible move and. The Hopkins one might even be worse. Um, you know, you get guys like Deshaun Watson, you want to embolden those guys, support those guys with talent all around them. And they just took one of the top, you know, three or four receivers uh, away from them. So, yeah, this is a team that's going to struggle to win six or seven games. You know, maybe you give them the two wins against the Jags. But, um, yeah, they're probably going to go winless against the Titans and the Colts. Like Matt said, it's going to be a tough schedule they have. It's going to be a tough season for Deshaun Watson. I, I love this guy as a, a player and as a person, but – He's got a raw deal right now, and you know he might be thinking, "Hey, maybe Bill Belichick should send uh, Bill O'Brien a third-round pick for me and, and ship him out to New England." But yeah, it's going to be a long season for Houston Texans fans. So that's what pisses me off the most. By the way, you have one of the most fun guys in the NFL to watch, and you are seemingly purposely trying to ruin his uh, existence as far as having a prolific career. It's 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 irritating, and you're not protecting him either. Let's move on, guys, to uh, the NFC West where the Niners were the class last year. But as we look at it right now, and the Seahawks have been very busy, how do you rank the NFC West right now? Veran, let's start with you. Do you still have uh, the Niners up top, or are you making a switch? I don't. I have the Seahawks. I, and by the way, by, by a hair, because the division last year was won by a hair. I just think Seattle did a nice job uh, adding to its secondary this offseason. I think they're probably going to get Clowney back. At least it appears that way. Uh, he... He was looking for $20 million a year. He's lucky if he gets 15. So I think all of a sudden Seattle feels pretty good about its chances. They lost George Fanoff, a uh, right tackle. But I don't think that's the end of the world. I don't think that's going to kill them. They could they could replenish that in the draft. John Schneider's done an excellent job. After them, I have the Niners. I still think the Niners are really good. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked, by the way, if they're reversed. But I, just, I do think Seattle's a little bit better because I trust the quarterback. I trust Wilson to have a really good year, year in and year out. I don't know that. I trust Garoppolo quite yet to do that. I think he's good. I just don't think he's great like I think Wilson is. But I'll tell you what, I got the Cardinals a strong third. Like, if the Cardinals draft the left tackle in the first round of the draft and they find a little bit of help defensively, Cardinals are going to score some points next year. Kenyon Drake, DeAndre Hopkins, Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury at the controls. Like, Cardinals are going to have a good offense. I think the Rams are the worst team in the division. The Rams have lost a lot. I don't think Goff's good. So give me Seattle win the division. Then give me San Fran, Arizona, and L.A. behind me. Patrick Schmidt, are you in on the Cardinals like Bertram? You, you liking that uh, offensive firepower in the desert? 
Yeah, I love the Cardinals. I love what they're putting together there. Obviously, the offense is ahead of the defense, but we wrote on fan side of the other day that, you know, the Cardinals, it's it's time to start making that jump, you know, from that four, five, six win territory to that next level and trying to get to seven, eight, nine win territory and see if you can compete for a playoff spot. I still think that's another year or so away, depending on some of the other big moves they make, especially like Matt was alluding to their first round pick. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, last year's division race was was one of the better ones we saw in the NFL in the last few years. But I'm going to stick with San Francisco, even admitting there's probably going to be a Super Bowl uh, hangover effect for them. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be the 49ers by a hair. And to Matt's point, you know, all things being equal, you're going to side with Russell Wilson over Jimmy Garoppolo. But uh, I really like the 49ers. I love their defense, especially that defensive line. And I think it's still going to be just enough to to stay ahead of the Seahawks, but I have the 49ers, then the Seahawks, then the Cardinals, and yeah, we're we're in agreement with the the Rams. I think they sacrificed a lot of their uh, their future to try and win it over the last couple of years. They got to the Super Bowl, they didn't win it. Todd Gurley's gone now. Jared Goff, you know, <laughs> Jared Goff was serviceable when he had the NFL Offensive MVP behind him. Uh, so he's gone, and I'm really worried about Jared Goff and his, like, $70 million, uh dead cap money he's carrying this year. So uh, it could be a, a big step back for the Rams this year. One of my favorite moments of the offseason was the Todd Gurley tweet, damn, I got fired on my off day, hashtag quarantine and chill. So, like, I feel like that in itself, the karma of that is going to put the Rams at the bottom of the division. The Niners – were so far. I mean, it was a, it was a tight division, but the Niners to me were 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 far and away. Uh, even though I I I I don't know exactly how to separate, it, but I just always thought that there was like Seattle was just trying to hang in there, where San Francisco was was the clear cut class last season. I think that'll be the same thing going into this year, despite the Seahawks having a very uh, active off season. And yes. Uh, they look incredible in the secondary right now. But the Arizona thing, I think, is just going to be a ton of fun. So, it, to me, it's the most fun division in football right now. I, and for the record, we're not talking about the NFC. But I've got the Saints as the class of the NFC right now. Uh, I love that Drew Brees is back for one more season. But I, I'm sticking with the, with the same order, but switching the bottom with Arizona and the Rams. San Francisco, Seattle, Arizona, and the Rams, which I think we're all on the same uh, – playing there except for Verderam. I'm sorry, you got Seattle up top. So me and Schmidt are together. Verderam with the Seahawks up top. Let's go over to the NFC North, guys. The Vikings, no Stephon Diggs. Are they still a playoff team? Matt Verderam, can Mike Zimmer do it the old-fashioned way and keep the Vikings in the playoffs? No, uh, I don't I don't think they can. And partially because of Diggs, they've lost a lot. Like they they cut Josh Klein, who's guard for them. Uh, you know, he, he's gone. Little name, but but matters. They lost their offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski. Now, I do think Kubiak really ran that show offensively there in a lot of ways. Uh, was the run game coordinator for them. Did a lot of their pass sets throughout the week. Pass protection against blitzes. So, I, I think they'll be okay there. But defensively, look, Everson Griffin, gone. Linville Joseph, gone. Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Wayne, Xavier Rhodes, gone. And they have no cap space to, to backfill any of these guys. So, yeah, I mean, they got two first-round picks, but you're depending on rookies to go out and be dumb. Like, that that's a bad recipe. I think if Foles is the quarterback for the Bears, I think he's going to be. Look, people can can crap on Foles all they want. I think he's better than Trubisky. Like, he, I mean, hell, I know he's better than Trubisky is. So I think the Bears are better. I think the Lions of Stafford's healthy for a full year are not good, but they're better. The Packers are good uh, and, and should win double-digit games. And the rest of the NFC is pretty damn good. So, I, I, look, I think the Vikings are – 
a nine and seven team, but I don't think it's going to get him in the playoffs. Not in the NFC, even with seven teams. I, I got. I just finished doing my my big undertaking of the offseason, which is like picking every single regular season game and doing that whole thing for when the schedule comes out. I, I think there's going to be seven teams in the NFC that win double digit games. I don't think Minnesota's one. The Packers are very primed for a little bit of a reset after going 13-3. and three. I mean, who is Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball to this year? Anybody figure that one out? Is Minnesota a playoff team, Patrick Schmidt? No, I don't think so. And I think immediately when you look at the NFC North, I think they're third in the hierarchy there. So the third-place team in the division is not going to you know, be a postseason contender. We talked about the NFC South. The Buccaneers are now looking like a playoff team. We just talked about the NFC West. So, yeah, I'm looking at the Vikings as maybe the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th best team in the uh, in the NFC. But, yeah, it, way, they lost way too much, especially on defense. And, and sure, some of those losses were, were good losses. Xavier Rhodes, former first-rounder, but he was absolutely terrible last year. So that's a, an addition by subtraction. But, yeah, you lose Stefan Diggs, who was lights out last year, the best year of his career, uh, for long stretches, looked like a top-five receiver in the league. But... Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen. Thielen battled injury all year last year. Dalvin Cook, I love this dude when he's healthy. He could be a top five back in the league, but the Vikings have had a, a really bad offensive line for what feels like a decade or so longer. So I think the Vikings are going to have a tough time to get back to the postseason. I think they're the third best team in the NFC North, and I think they're going to be looking at an 8-8 eight and eight kind of season. I, maybe I'm crazy, but I love Mike Zimmer. I feel like he grinds out wins. They, Kirk Cousins had a great second half of the season last year. I think Green Bay, whatever, I, that was like a... So as you graduate and head out into the world, there's only one thing that you need to know. Hi, this is Jamie from Progressive. Yeah, I can talk now. Progressive protects you 24-7. So tell me what happened. Oh, I'm sorry, Gene. Can you give me one second? Um, brush out for every meal. Congratulations and thank you. Sorry about that. I'm back. So tell me about this fender bender. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates covered subject to policy terms. To me, it was a miracle season what happened there. And I'm not in love with the Bears. They st- they're not going to be able to protect whoever is back there and who they handing the ball off to. So I actually still think Minnesota's a playoff team, even though I love Stephon Diggs. And we're going to get to the Bills in a little bit here. Uh, that's going to be a hell of a pickup for Buffalo, who's making a move in the AFC. Uh, so I, I actually have the Vikings in the playoffs, especially um, considering the new format and everything. But all right, let's get to Trevor here. Who's in the driver's seat, Matt Program? Tank for Trevor Lawrence. I think the Jags. Like, to me, the two teams that I, I immediately thought of were Jacksonville and Carolina. But I think Teddy Bridgewater is, like, capable enough with McCaffrey and DJ Moore that they'll win, like, four games. I don't, I don't think Jacksonville's doing anything. And I actually think Minshew's kind of interesting, but I think he's interesting in a fun way more than he's interesting in like he's going to go out and win nine games way. Uh, when D, nothing against him, but when DJ Chark is your number one weapon, you got a problem. You got a big problem. And you can't run the ball. The line's not that good. Their defense has just traded away everybody. Boye's gone. Campbell's gone. Obviously, Ramsey's long gone. I mean, how are they going to win? What are they going to do? I, I think Jacksonville, and and also let's be real. If Jacksonville's like one in nine, they are just going to lay down because they know if they get Trevor Lawrence, or they they got a shot to be a good for 10, 15 years. So, I think Jacksonville. Patrick Schmidt, take for Trevor. 
Yeah, you know, it was like a, a week, maybe 10 days ago, I wrote on Fansided that, you know, it wasn't too soon for Panthers fans to start dreaming about Trevor Lawrence. And then four or five days later, they signed Teddy Bridgewater and you know, pretty much end that dream. And if I'm a Panthers fan, I'd much rather give up a year of Teddy Bridgewater for the potential of Trevor Lawrence. So I'd probably move the Panthers down a peg or two in my tanking for Trevor uh, hierarchy. But yeah, I think you have to start with the Jaguars. That roster is so devoid of talent. And, you know, like what Matt said, if the Jaguars do get off to like a one in five type of start, the guys with talent on that roster, like Leonard Fournette, Miles Jack, DJ Shark, who I actually kind of kind of like a little bit, maybe not as a number one on a playoff team, but um, some guys there that have talent and can net, you know, some some solid draft picks in return. So, yeah, I think Jacksonville makes a lot of sense. And Washington, we, we talked about at the top. They kind of have a, a fluid quarterback situation. They took Haskins one last year. Maybe they go in for two of this year. If not, maybe they sign a vet like like Cam that we said. So Washington might play itself out of the conversation, depending on what they do in the draft and free agency. So Jacksonville, I think, is a, a pretty safe uh, answer because you look at that roster, you look at their schedule. How are they going to win games? I think this is looking at like a 2-14 and 14 kind of a season. And really, how are they going to win two games? So I'm going to fly up the Detroit Lions just because Matt Patricia has to be the least favorite guy in the state of Michigan. When you get in front of the team, you embarrass a three-time pro bowler like Darius Slay, who ends up going out and talking about private parts and Dar- I mean, just, just completely out of his mind and a disaster. And the Lions, by the way, don't need to add on to the disaster that is the Detroit Lions. So... And I, I look at that division, I, as I'm saying, I think the Vikings are going to be competitive. I think the Bears are going to be right in there, too. Green Bay still hanging around, not 13-3. and three. So I could see Detroit being at the bottom. Uh, I do love the Jacksonville pick, but I don't want to dog my guy Gardner. So oh, I'm going to – By the I'm way, gonna, yeah. uh, as an aside, they're not going to do it because they're the Lions, and they know that if things don't go all this year, they're all getting fired. They should draft Tua with the third overall pick. That's, see, that's a great call. That's what they should do. And let them sit for the year. Let them get healthy. Let Stafford play. And then let Stafford go, cut him after the season, trade him, whatever, and then go with Tua. They'll never do that because they're them. They'll draft Jeffrey Akuda and he'll be Darius Slay and then get traded in five years. But if I were the Lions, that's what I would do. Well, okay, let's move on then to our in and out. And that's actually our, our first subject in the in or out, which is the Lions should draft a quarterback at three. And apparently, Matt Bergram, you are in. I, I am. Uh, I, I just look. This is the NFL in 2020. You're not winning without a long term answer quarterback. I mean, you may have like the rare year where things go right and everything breaks your way, like Jacksonville Fears go Bortle. Like that, that happens. It's possible. But to do that consistently, it doesn't happen. You need to have the quarterback. Like, there have been years, like we talked about Seattle earlier. There have been years you look at Seattle and you're like, oh, they're not that talented, and they go 11 and 5. You know why? Because they have Russell Wilson. That's why they go 11 and 5. Like, I, I think you look at the teams in the league that are good year in year out. They had the quarterback. If I'm Detroit, I'd say, look, Stafford's a good player. He's never won a playoff game. Like, at some point here, swing for the fences. Like, go get Tua. And you know what? If he's hurt and it doesn't work, well, then it doesn't work. It hasn't worked for 50 years in Detroit. What the hell's the difference, right? Like, I, I would go out. You know they have not they have not won a playoff game since 1991, and since 1957 they've won one playoff game. Like it's it's impossible to be that bad. Draft to it, take a shot. Like it, there's no downside to it other than you're just the Lions for a few more years. 
Are you getting the medicals cleared on that before you're doing it? Like, uh, what's no, the, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, sure. Let's, sure. But, but if the medicals check, I, I mean, I wouldn't even blink. Like, and I know they'll say, well, we traded slay. We, you know, Kuda, who cares? Like I, I, to me, you know, people overvalue this stuff all the time. Like, that's great. That's great that he's a really good corner. And I'm not saying he won't be. Maybe he'll be great. How many times have horrible teams had really good corner? Happens all the time, right? But there aren't too many horrible teams with really good quarterbacks. Patrick Schmidt, in or out, the Lions should draft a quarterback at three. Yeah, if Tua is on the board, I'd consider taking him at three. But if Tua goes second to Washington or whoever trades up to get that pick, then I'm not going to – sit there and take Justin Herbert or Jordan Love with the number three pick. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stick with Matt Stafford for at least another year. I know he was hurt last year with his back, but outside of that, he's been very, very durable. Sure, he's been okay. He hasn't won a playoff game, but I'm not putting all of that on his right arm. The, the Lions are a joke of a franchise for their entire existence. There are many reasons why they haven't won playoff games. It's not just Matthew Stafford, but if Tua and Joe Burrow go one and two or two one, I think um, I'm probably going to take Chase Young if I'm the Lions and maybe consider drafting a quarterback late. But, yeah, Tua, I would definitely make the exception for to take him third over Jeffrey Okuda or, or Chase Young or whoever else is on the board. But if Tua's gone, I'm not going for quarterback at number three. That's going to be way too rich for my blood to take Justin Herbert or Jordan Love or anybody else in this draft. Makes me nervous with a guy who's you don't 100% know that he's healthy and ready to go. But I love his personality so much, and the Lions could really use just a first-class citizen to sort of bring things about, sort of like a Barry Sanders, I guess, if you want to look at it, want to go back in Lions history. But So I guess I'm in, because plus I'm also not excited about all the other options, but the, the, I'm a little afraid uh, on Tua having a long and lengthy uh, NFL career. Let, let's do the Bills here, team. The Bills are the AFC's Third best team, number three in the entire AFC. Matt Burram, you in or out? In. Uh, I, I don't know who else. I, I mean, look, I think for me, the, the decision comes down to the Bills, the Steelers, and then if you really love somebody in the AFC South, because I think everyone knows it's Kansas City and Baltimore at the top, and then there's a pretty big gap. And I, I'm in on the Bills for one reason. I think I think McDermott's a really good head coach. I think Brandon Bean's done a really nice job. My biggest fear with them is the quarterback. I, I just I have to see him take another step. They're they're not winning anything if he doesn't take another step. But I he took one last year, so I'm I'm thinking he has another one in him. I almost went with the Steelers here. I just don't know with Roethlisberger 38 coming off Tommy John. Like I just. He might be fine. He might be really good. And if he is, and they're the third best team, in my opinion. But if he's not and he's done, well, then I don't know how far you can go because, again, then you'd have no quarterback. I love the look of Ben Roethlisberger this day. The guy looks fantastic. Patrick Schmidt, in or out of the Bills? You know what? I like the Bills, but I'm out as them being the third best team. Agree with Matt, the Chiefs and Ravens, and then it's really a, a giant divide for that third best team. Uh, hey, look, I like what the Bills are doing. I like McDermott. You know, they're they're definitely uh, coming together. The Diggs trade was, was great. But you know, I really like the Colts. I think the Phillip Rivers signing is great for them for, for a one-year stopgap. I'm not having any, you know, delusions of grandeur. He's going to be there much longer than that. But 
I think Phillip is going to be rejuvenated, actually play with a, a solid team and, and it's a team with a, a competent offensive line that's going to protect him and keep him upright, give him a clean pocket, um, give him a little bit more time to throw so he's not rushing all of these throws that are leading in or leading to interceptions. So you know, the Colts might have the best offensive line in the league. They got a very good defense, a great coach. I think they're going to put them in great situations to succeed. And like we talked about, this division that they're going to be playing in, they might have four guaranteed wins. And who knows if the Titans are going to take a big step back. Is Ryan Tannehill the same guy he was last year? I have my doubts. So I think the Colts have a, the opportunity there to be a kind of a, an 11-win team, surprise some people. And, you know, no, no disrespect to the Bills. I think they're a 10 or 11-win team too. But, you know, I'll go with Phillip Rivers and the Colts over one year instead of Josh Allen and the Bills for one year. But, you know, the Bills are probably going to be the, the fourth best team at worst in the AFC this year. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, who do you even like in the AFC right now outside of the top two, right? I mean, what am I going to do? Roll, roll the dice on my guy Vic Fangio out in Denver to continue to bring a Broncos resurgence. Who actually, they had a great second half of the year. Uh, so I, I think the Bills are the safest play. Uh, ben Roethlisberger looks like he's ready to just go strict, strict mountain man. So I can't. I'm, I'm not betting on the Steelers. And, uh, you know, I, I don't – the Titans, that just – that feels super unsafe. So I, I – and, and, like, hey, uh, I, I'm actually in on Josh Allen, Verderam. I, I think he I, – he's, he's – it's like a steady climb for him. So I don't see why he can't make another jump coming into 2020 or – go ahead. Right now reminds me of when I was a kid and you looked at the NFC and the Niners and the Cowboys were just – they were so good. They, you're like, well, those two teams, I mean, they're they're getting the conference title game. And it's really just a matter of, like, who's at home, who's healthier for that game. Uh, you know, maybe yeah. maybe that's a little bit overstating it, only because those two teams were also so much better than everybody else in the AFC that it was like the Super Bowl in the NFC title game. And I don't feel like that's quite the case. I mean, there's a lot of good teams in the NFC for the Chiefs or the Ravens have to deal with. But um, let's put it this way. If, if Kansas City and Baltimore, if they're healthy this year, it would be shocking if they don't see each other in the AFC championship game. I mean, they're just—they're clearly the best two teams. Let, let's pick out a let's pick out, pick out a dark horse here, guys, and we're, we're going with the Steelers. The Steelers are actually the dark horse in the AFC. Patrick Schmidt, you in or out? I guess we got to define what dark horse means. Are we talking about representing the AFC in the Super Bowl or having a better than expected kind of a season? Because I think the Steelers can have a, a really good season, especially with Big Ben back. Um, you know, the Steelers really don't have two bad years in a row ever in their history. So to get Big Ben back, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have a, a bounce back year. Uh, T.J. Watt on that defense, Cam Hayward, a couple of, you know, perennial pro bowlers over the last few years. So I think the Steelers are, are definitely going to be a playoff team. But if we're talking dark horse as a team to, to, you know, to take out Baltimore or the Chiefs, I just don't see that happening. Matt Berger-Ram. I think that if Roethlisberger's healthy, they are maybe the biggest threat to, to upend those teams because they have a really good defense. And if Roethlisberger's himself, he's scary. Like, you could have a game with him where he just goes nuts. Now, they don't have the weapons they used to have. Nothing against Mitchell, who's terrific. It's not Antonio Brown. They don't have Le'Veon Bell anymore. Okay, James Conner's a good back and a great story, but he's not Le'Veon Bell. So you do factor that in. Um, like, I think the Bills are a better team. That's why I think they're the third-best team in the conference. But I do think the Steelers in a one-off in a playoff game are scarier because of the quarterback, if he's right. Now, if he's totally shot, and forget it. But, like, would it shock me if he's healthy, if they won the division? 
It would surprise me, but I wouldn't be shocked. Maybe I'm just higher on the Steelers than I should be. But I think the Steelers, I think the Steelers can be very good if Roethlisberger is right. But of course, it's a huge if. At 38 years old, coming off Tommy John. Anybody want to come with me on the Broncos? I'm out on the I'm out on the Steelers. Uh, you got we got a little bit of help for the offensive line. We got Melvin Gordon. Uh, hey, Jeff Driscoll is a is a is a Denver Bronco. I'm struggling to find a team in the AFC, but I, I'm not in on the Steelers, so I'm out. Uh, I, I like Denver as a playoff team, as a wild card team. The problem that I think Denver has is unless Mahomes something happens, like they're just not winning that division, so they're going to be forced to be a wild card team. And you know, look, it's possible, sure, but it's just that's a brutal road. Um, that's one of the reasons I like the Bills. Like the division just sucks. Right, the Jets aren't good. The Dolphins are still rebuilding, although I do think they'll be better. The Pats might start, you know, Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer. Like, they should host the playoff game. They should be in pretty good shape. Whereas, like, Pittsburgh, probably not going to win the division. Denver, they're not going to win the division. So th- that's that's the problem. Like, that's why I do like Schmidt's pick of the Colts. Like, they could win that division. They could host the playoff game. You know, that path is easier. You're a wild card team. You're just immediately behind the eight ball. Uh, yeah, I I'll would, hop in. Uh, I'll just say, look, look. I think the I think the Broncos this year can kind of be like what the Bills were last year. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on UnderdogFantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win twenty times your money in a single night. Use promo code Radio, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to one hundred dollars in bonus cash. Deposit $100, get $100 free. That's promo code radio. Terms and conditions apply. And what the yeah. Bears were two years ago, I think they're going to be one of those teams that that jumps into that nine-win territory. Maybe they, they sweep the Raiders and the Chargers, bam, they get four wins right there. Then you only need to win five of your, you know, the rest of your games to get to nine wins. So I like Drew Locke. I'm not in love with Drew Locke, but I like Drew Locke. And, you know, like what you were saying earlier, Karma, I think Vic Vic Fangio, one of the better defensive coaches in the league. So year two for him in Denver. I think they got a shot there. Ben Von Miller is still there, obviously. You get Bradley Chubb back from injury. I think that's a team that could definitely contend for nine wins and get to the playoffs. Let's wrap up on our in or out with the 49ers, guys. Are the 49ers your favorite in the NFC? Matt Burram, go ahead, my brother. Obviously, I have to say no because I picked the Seahawks uh, to win the division. I think the Niners are terrific. Uh, you said it earlier, Carm, and I'm, I think the Saints are the best team in the conference. I, now, the Saints have had three brutal playoff losses consecutively, which you wonder is, you know, at some point, when does that just become a major problem and a trend? Um, but I love the roster. Like, there's not a lot of holes on that team. Quarterback's great. Running back's great. Receivers are great. Tight end's really good. Line's excellent. Defensively, you can do some things against them, but they're not bad defensively. Like, Lattimore's an excellent corner. they got a decent pass rush. They've got a draft class, so I'm sure they'll be able to plug and play some parts of this year. Like, I, I think the Saints are the best team. And, you know, Brady going to Tampa doesn't help because now those games are harder. Um, but I, I like them. I'll say this, though. You could make a case in the NFC for about six different teams. It is a great conference. That's where the AFC, as we just talked about, is two teams and a and a lotto ticket. You're our only hope for the 49ers on the inside here, Patrick Schmidt. You want to go in on it? 
No, I'm already out. I teased it in the NFC West conversation when I said I think there's going to be a little bit of a, a Super Bowl hangover. I mean, look, it happens to all the Super Bowl losers. Uh, the trends are, are just there. to You can't just ignore them. So I think the 49ers get back to the playoffs. But, yeah, you look at the Saints. I mean, I think, you know, you, you pull 100 different people. I think the Saints are going to be the, the majority uh, response there. I love the Emmanuel Sanders uh, signing they made him free agency. You, you pair him with Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas doesn't need to catch 145 balls again this year. Maybe he only catches 120, uh, you know, but um, you got to love Alvin Kamara. He's going to have a lot more room to operate. Jared Cook, continue his resurgence uh, as one of a, the better downfield tight ends. Their defense, you know, it's not going to be the, the Bears defense, but you get Marcus Davenport and Cam Jordan. Those guys have potential to, to top 25 sacks between them. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, when he's right, he's one of the better corners in the league. They brought back Malcolm Jenkins. I don't think they're going to bring back Von Bell, but if they bring back Von Bell, then it uh, you know it only further solidifies that secondary. But yeah, for me, the, the Saints are, are the the clear choice to be the top uh, top team in the NFC. And then yeah, like what Matt was saying, there's maybe five six teams you can make a good case for the the two and three spots and so on down the line. All right, so we're all out on the 49ers, which uh, I'm sure that Hunter Armour. Our producer is 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 in on his San Francisco 49ers to get back to that bowl one more time. But let's wrap up your team. Looking forward, and we're gonna look at the draft. The biggest quiet story heading into the draft. Matt Bergeram, we start with you as the draft is uh, certainly inching closer, about a month away. Okay, so the Green Bay Packers pick 30th. I think they should be looking at quarterbacks when they get there and look, that doesn't necessarily mean take one. If they don't like what they see, then I think they should take the best receiver available, give Rogers another weapon to pair with Devontae Adams. But if you like a quarterback, let's say Jacob Eason is there and you like him, I'd take him because Rogers is not getting any younger. He's starting to become more average. Not that he's average. I don't want to paint him in that light. He's still a very good player, but he's not superhuman as he once was. He's trending down. And so if I'm the Packers and I like a quarterback at 30, I'm taking him. I'm taking him right there, and I'll get Rodgers' weapon in the second round. I'll draft a receiver then. This class is so deep, they're not going to run out of him. Um, but I think if you're the Packers, look, they did it once, and it worked out pretty well. I, I wouldn't just pass the buck year after year after year. If they like a guy and he's there, i take him at 30. Patrick Schmidt, you're up, my friend. Yeah, well, we think Joe Burrow, well, we know Joe Burrow is going to be the number one pick by the Cincinnati Bengals, but I want to know what other moves the Bengals are going to make in free agency to make sure they're surrounding Burrow. We talked about it earlier. You want to surround your your quarterback, franchise quarterbacks, uh, with as much protection and talent to work with as possible. So we know A.J. Green's coming back, um, but I, I'm concerned about the tight end position, the rest of their offensive line. Um, it looks like they finally have a competent number two receiver there to, to compliment AJ green, but you know, is Joe Mixon going to be good next year? He's, you know, he's been a, a fantasy disappointment, you know, to go from reality football to fantasy football, but I don't know if he's a gigantic difference maker. So just kind of curious to see what other moves the Bengals are going to make between now and the draft to kind of make sure Joe Burrow is just put in the best position possible for him to thrive right away as a rookie. So for me, I'm just, and this is not the quiet side, but I just want to mention it. The most interesting thing to me about this draft is where is Tua going to go? Who's going to step up? Um, who's going to take a chance on? How are they going to get the medicals done? All of that is super interesting. I'm also curious, 
you know, the Buffalo Bills don't have a pick uh, until I believe it's 56. But I'm curious as we talk about them being, you know, the number three team in the AFC and the odds on favorite to win the AFCs, how will they augment their roster? How will they continue to build on what they've done with Stephon Diggs? Do they add a running back? Do they take a guy like J.K. Dobbins? Uh, different guys that they could possibly add on to as Buffalo builds that roster up. I, I love seeing the Bills be competitive, also because Matt Verderam. You are not very popular in Buffalo, pal, forever and always. So that's always enjoyable when the Bills are good. The funny thing is, I actually have like a, a very large contingent of Bills followers on Twitter. And I, I think it's because like I said a few nice things about him during free agency. And one of the tweets blew up. And so now like now Bills Mafia, they're they're riding with me. Now, if they, uh, if they see that video of me just just running down the city of Buffalo, then, hey, things might go south in a hurry. And I well, stand by it, by the way. OK, the people of Buffalo <laughs> find people. The city itself, I got my reservations. Let's just put it that way. They are very passionate about their bills. You know, long story short, very intense. Yes. How far away did you grow up from Buffalo? Grow up? Uh, five and a half hours. I went to school like three hours away, though. Okay. Okay. The history of Matt Bertram in Buffalo, it's closer than you think. Gentlemen, good to be with you today. As we uh, get a little ready for the draft and size up what's going on in free agency, always a pleasure. Patrick Schmidt, good to have you on, my friend. Yeah, it was great to chat some football with you guys. For sure, we'll do it again. Subscribe, rate, tell a friend. We appreciate you checking out Stack in the Box and hope that everybody's staying safe out there. And we will see you next time. Matt Verderam, you stay safe out there. You do the same, Patrick Schmidt. Great to be with you. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Fansided. Join our community of over 300 sites, sports to pop culture, and everything in between. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were yelling at another car while driving, let me say it again. You need to calm down. Yelling is just making everyone as stressed out as you are and letting them all know that you definitely aren't trying to save with Progressive Snapshot. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't yelling at another car, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents.